0: I want to talk to us today about a subject that we have around us all the time, but typically don't recognize it. It's the unknown. And the unknown that I'm referring to is people. Sometimes we are the unknown as we go through our patterns of life. And, of course, we are surrounded by unknowns. Unknowns. And because they're unknown to us, typically we don't take the time to say thanks or know how to say thanks or even realize that we should give thanks. The unknowns are people like Uber drivers, taxi drivers, truck drivers, dental assistants, assistant teachers, substitute teachers, mechanics, computer technicians. The list just goes on and on. Police officers, firefighters, soldiers, surgical nurses, pilots. You see, they're always around us, but they're the unknown. Many of these people, we don't even know their name. Many of these people, we see them periodically, but we still don't know their name. We just call them Mr. Bus Driver, or Hey You. Or going in for surgery, we may know the surgeon's name, but we don't know the team that's there that day, and oh my, aren't we glad that team is there that day when you're having your surgery. The unknown. And so then it comes back on us again. How many times are we, the unknown, just going through our routines, our obligations, our jobs? And at times we think, i am just got it on autopilot. Uh, one of my s- sarcastic remarks, at least in my own head, sometimes I say it to Sheila. is I feel like I'm in the movie Groundhog Day. I'm doing it again. <laughs> just going through the routine. You know, church can become Groundhog Day. You're just going through the routine. And we don't recognize all the good that's happening when we're just going through routine and we are the unknown. When it comes to church, the ushers, nursery workers, children's church workers, custodians, on and on. A big choir gets up for that day. Do we know all the names in the choir that day? The greeters. So again, just over and over and over the unknown. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to a passage of Scripture, very brief, Romans, excuse me, Revelation chapter 7, just verses 9 and 10. Oh, what a what a picture here. And after this I looked, John said, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. They were from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages. That's a pretty cool thought there, by the way. A lot of times we think when we get the glory that we'll all be speaking the same language, and maybe we will. I haven't been there yet. But could it be that all the languages are still spoken and we understand them as they're being spoken? Pretty awesome thought. They're all standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And this this multitude, let it, let it speak to us today. We may be in that multitude eventually. Let it speak to us today as we're going through our course of life in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before you're seated, turn to at least one and say, it's good to see you today. Musicians can be unknowns, can't they, William? (laughs) Piano players, organists, drummers, back in a little Room back there just beating them sticks. The unknown. The unknown are parents, grandparents, support family, uncles, aunts, cousins, half-brothers, half-sisters, mother-in-laws, father-in-laws. (laughs) Son-in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> Warming up down there now, is it, sister? Joel put it this way. <clears throat> multitudes, multitudes standing in the valley of decision. Go to sporting events, crowds watch it on tv the crowds the masses the unknowns the support people running the lines putting the ball in place putting the ball back in the court whatever sport it may be medics being there just constantly the unknowns playing a role playing major roles just always going on and yet we live in a culture that just demands that it's all about us, me. And I need to be known. I'm entitled. My name needs to be famous. And yet the work of the unknowns is just constantly overwhelming the pride that wants to take first place. I've uh, done something that... that. Uh, It's been a little bit of a challenge, and I trust that you'll you'll hang with me in just a minute. If you have your Bibles and just want to mark 2 Samuel chapter 23, there's a list of names there. And it starts off with three particular names. It talks about Jehoshabim. Jehoshabim was of the top three of David's mighty men. Jehoshabim Can you imagine this in your mind? On a single day's battlefield, with a spear, he slayed 800 soldiers. Not only is he listed, but Eleazar, also of those three of the mightiest of David's mighty men, the story is told of on a particular day the Israeli army fled for whatever reason, but there was still a battle to be fought. And Eleazar stood there with King David, and the two of them slaughtered the army by themselves that day. Again, we find Shema. Once again, the army fled and he was standing in a field of lentils. He didn't want it going over to feed his enemy, so he, I love this expression, stood his ground by himself and won the victory. The expression is that he had wielded a a sword, This, this is Eleazar with David that day, slaying Hundreds. And in that day, he had fought so long that his hand was frozen in position. He had gripped that hilt of that sword all day long. Again, we find these three that are pronounced, they have a name, even though most of us really never even attempted to pronounce their name. In the past, we just kind of gloss over it. We know that there were some mighty men the list goes on and it kind of goes to another level. And we have Abishai. Abishai became known as the commander in time over the 30. There was these distinctions. Again, on a single day's route, he himself slayed 300. And yet the language of the Bible says, and he wasn't one of the three, yet he was one of David's mighty men. Whew, come on somebody, this will start talking to us in just a minute. And then there is Beniah. Beniah was known for his great deeds as well. This is the one that chased a lion on a snowy day into a cave and got lunch that day lion burgers and it talks about another day in which this very pronounced Egyptian soldier dressed so beautifully and magnificently and had a brand new spear but by the end of the day the Egyptian was dead and was killed with his own spear you see the names go on and if you're in the 23rd chapter, you'll find names like Azahel, Elhanan, Shammah, Elika Helez, Ira, Abizer, Sibikai, Zaman, Meharai, Heled, Ithiai, Binai. Hurai, Abibon, Vith, Eliabah, Jonathan, finally an easier one. The two sons of Jason, don't even know their names. Ahayim, Eli-Ephelet, Eliam, Hezro, Peerai, Egil, Benai, Zelek, Neheri, Ira, Gareb, and yes, even Uriah, who again was put to slaughter by David himself so that he could steal his wife from him. Yet listed in the 30, these names, this testimony of David, these are David's last words as he speaks to them before his death and now these mighty men are being listed. And when we hear that title, these mighty men, especially the top three, we think, "Oh, there's got to be plaques, there's got to be monuments, there's got to be buildings erected. We're still using their names and yet we aren't. And then we go on and you see these levels. You see, it speaks to us today to understand that we're all unknowns and there are those moments we are called upon to arise and to do our assignment. Sometimes we are called on multiple times and after a while there is somewhat of a fame that lasts for a season only to drift back into obscurity once again. There are some that are just as equal, but not called upon as often. There are others that are listed in our numbers, as well as these numbers. And we have to do due diligence to go back and research and look up their names and how to pronounce them, and yet they're listed in God's eternal Word, speaking to us generations after their lives upon the earth. What is it saying to us? Why are they listed and known as the mighty men? Do they still exist? Do they still walk upon the earth? Could they be in this congregation? Are they streaming this service right now? You see, this is David's testimony. These levels aren't just a one-time thing. When we're reminded of Jesus himself and his earthly ministry, we know that he chose 12. And yet, there's a distinction. There was the big three. Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee. What about the other nine? Did they ever get tired of hearing about the three? Oh, it's always the three. Oh, we always have to mention, the, if they're here, they, their names have to be mentioned. Maybe not the others. Wow. Wouldn't you like to have the title James the Less? But was numbered among the twelve. The twelve! Yeah, but I'm James the Less in the twelve. You see, if these mighty men were not in David's life, history would be different. Called upon, served, and again, yes, the exploits. I mean, it just speaks, whether you're male or female, to think of a battlefield, the slaughter that day, and knowing the body count at the end of the day was attributed 800 warriors slain as a result of one, 300 unknown numbers, just knowing I, I got to get help to release my fingers because I have been doing my assignment all day. How many times have we been called upon to realize, you know, everybody else has fled, but I'm gonna stand my ground, not always popular, to do that. Matter of fact, if you go back and read a little closer, you'll see that the armies returned after the rout on those days to go th- through the, dis- the dead bodies and to start foraging the things. You know, like, hey, he's got better boots than me, I'll just use those. Again, These pictures of multitudes, of unknowns, of sometimes coming out of obscurity for a moment, getting fame, getting recognition, but really not asking for it, it just happened because it was such an unusual thing on that day. What about today? Could it be that we would be called upon for an exploit for God that would be so unusual that others would get on social media and talk about? And how long would it last? And can we handle the pressure of the moment? But even the greater question, can we handle the pressure after the moment? There are principles that once again have to speak to us as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Principles that the church again whose church is this? It's his church and upon this rock I will build my church If there's ever been an industry upon the planet been under attack any more than the church I wouldn't know it the church is always being attacked from every angle and every way Pride is not an exception that wants to creep in we like big names. We like great talents that can be exalted to a position. But does that mean the rest don't count? What about being an unknown? Can I handle the pressure of being an unknown? Ooh, it's quiet in the house. There are guiding principles the first one is, when you don't care who gets the credit, you, don't, you won't ever complain about the role that you fill. Wow. We've all been tempted with it, haven't we? To serve, to do something, and it's wonderful. It turned out great. It really helped somebody. We didn't really know who we were helping, and they're connected. <laughs> Well, who did it? Boy, if it didn't, then every one of us, that would be me. Oh, oh, oh. And yet, when the next assignment comes and it's in the shadows, and that's a nobody over there, but they need help that day. There's no one even asking who wants the credit for that one. Can we serve? When you have those moments that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do something or it becomes known that you may be in a group that is recognized more often than some of the others. Again, when we can get to that principle of it really doesn't matter who gets the credit because when we worry about who's gonna get credit, it just fills that void with, uh, I wanna complain when I'm not recognized. I'm telling you, this will set you free, people. To realize, once again, just the privilege that it is to serve God, period. Brother David, I don't know about your story, but I'm sure it'd be pretty similar. How many, how many ministers we've known And we find ourselves hearing their stories of they once were this, but they gave it up to serve God. And this one had this talent and gave up to serve God. I don't know about you, brother. God didn't find much when he found me. And I don't say that to be pious. It is the truth. It is that thing that reminds us, the privilege that it is for God to call on you whether you have a reverend in front of your name or not, but to be a child of God, to be an ambassador for Christ, to serve the Lord, the privilege that it is to know that God knows you, that you're not an unknown to Him. Maybe you don't have the pedigrees, maybe you don't have the blue blood, and yet you're a child of the King. To be a son of God, a daughter of God, A man of faith, a woman of God, a woman of faith. The privilege that it is to know, yes, there are times, many times, I'm in the unknowns, but it's my job to stand my ground today. When sickness gets in the camp and now everybody else is there, but I'm gonna stand my ground and serve today. Or the times where There's something a little shinier over there. It looks fun and exciting and others drift to go over there. Who's going to stand here and serve with the king? You see, these are the things that start marking these individuals, but again, just the names of the unknown. The second principle is when you focus on the right objective, you won't chase the wrong pursuits. You see, we are the sons of righteousness called to do the right thing all the time. And when you have your mind focused upon the right objectives, my purpose is to serve God. My purpose is to bring glory to God. Let your light so shine before all people, all men, where by all means we may win some, to let your light so shine to bring glory to the Father. Again, chasing the right pursuits keeps us from going down the the wrong road. Because again, if pride wants to find a place, it'll find its place there. What about teaming up with others? Teaming up with others who know how to give and serve properly. To find those like-minded people to serve alongside with. It doesn't matter who gets the credit today, but I want to be with this person because they—they they really are a giver. They know how to give of their time properly. They know how to give of their talents properly. They know how to give of their means properly. They know how to. Hey, I can't outgive God. He's gonna—he's gonna take this. He'll take that—that that lad's little luncheon again. He went over to Zaxby's and got him some fish. Maybe it wasn't Zaxby's, but and it found a whole multitude of unknowns that day. It was so incredible that they had more fragments after the fact than what they started with. But it took an unknown to walk in. I don't know about you, but if I was a little boy and some guy came up and said, can I have your lunch? to feed everybody else. I don't know if I'd have been so gracious. I've thought about that little boy. I don't know if you've ever taken time to think through some of these stories. Can you imagine that boy at the end of the day watching probably some 15,000 people being fed and satisfied? And then they take baskets around and fill the baskets up with the fragments. I'd like to think that that boy got at least a basket of that to take home to mom and dad say, you ain't going to believe what I'm getting ready to tell you. I'd like to know about that little boy the rest of his life. How could you ever, ever, ever forget such a moment that he came out of nowhere and the master said, I have need of what you've got today to find others who have learned to give properly, to to serve properly. You see this whole weekend, Life on Purpose, and all these things we're sharing about, the responsibility of belonging with the house, belonging with a group of people, belonging, serving together, being the church. How many of you are proud to be the church? The church. There's nothing like the church. Perfect? No. No. Perfect people? Uh-uh. But there's nothing like it. If you go back to your Brooks commentary, you'll find this statement. It is the local church it's, that is the glue that holds the whole kingdom together. It's that little house church over here serving one sick person that lives on the street with them. It is that big cathedral that's able to garner their things together and be able to feed a whole village somewhere else that just found out about. It's about this other church, Obscurity. They got pretty good numbers and strength, but they just don't have the name of some others. But they said, we're just going to bloom where we're planted. You see, all around this globe, the church of Jesus Christ is doing its job every single day. You see, there's a byproduct that comes out of finding people to serve alongside with that do it right. There's a unity. Don't you just love serving alongside somebody else and just watching people getting blessed as a result of your efforts? That last principle I'll share with you is when unity is blended with humility. There is a contagious joy that follows that humility and unity. This week in our devotions, I, this one just l- jumped off the page for me. It said, pride builds walls between people, but humility builds bridges. I love that. Pride always wants to slip in among us. It always wants to build another wall. Well, I'm better than you, or you think you're better than me, or well, they're always getting the credit and just on and on and on and just the work of the enemy, making division after division after division. But you see, I don't know about you, but I wanna be listed on somebody's list of the, the mighty ones that God would call upon. Maybe I won't get one of those big names up there that is remembered a little longer or more often, but to be labeled in that number, oh my. Would you stand with me today?